You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. mine, all right? <laughs> Calvin, Calvin, Calvin. Let me get situated here. Oh, there's my water. Jeez Louise, you're just loaded with them today, aren't you? Well, <clears throat> uh, as you can tell, uh, we're continuing. Hold on a second here. With our series, Traveling Light, hope you guys all had a uh, safe and sane 4th of July. Sounds like some uh, parts of town may have been a little bit more insane than sane, but uh, we were up uh, with the Johnsons yesterday afternoon, and uh, San Pedro sounded like it was uh, a war zone. I mean, it started about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I could not believe, uh, I, I thought maybe they were under siege, something was going on in the harbor. I mean, you know, you never know these days. Anyway, uh, it's just great to be here with everybody, and uh, just kind of continue along with things here today. You know, there's a uh, quote I wanted to start out with this morning that uh, I read the uh, top 10 quotes for uh, 4th of July yesterday, and I really like this one because I think it resonates with us as Christians, and I obviously need to do some more work on my cardio because I'm still trying to get my breath here. <laughs> I think I was only about, what, 20, 25 feet? <laughs> Woo! But anyways, this is uh, a quote from Ronald Reagan. Politics aside, I think it should really resonate with us as Christians. He says, America was founded by people who believed that God was their rock of safety. I recognize we must be cautious in claiming that God is on our side. But I think it's all right to keep asking if we're on his side. And just really making sure that as Christians, that's where we're at. That's what's taking place in our own personal walk. The title of the message this morning is Not So Fast, and uh, as we know, last week Brian started out with our uh, Traveling Light series with Running Scared, uh, talking about unloading the burden of fear and worry, uh, Elijah coming off of uh, some incredible victories, how he went running, scared, felt like he was alone, uh, even though there were uh, many, many other faithful Israelites at that point in time, but what it shows us is how easily sidetracked that we can be. You know, it was uh, kind of fun. I got to pick the Craigs up, uh, I think it was Tuesday, to take them to the airport. And it wasn't too far removed from what you kind of witnessed on the way out. I, they asked me to pick them up at 8 o'clock, so I rolled in. So they were about a quarter till. I waited in the car for a while, and, you know, no one at the door. No one, no, no moving from doing the house at about 8. So I figured, well, I'll give them another five minutes. And I did, and walked up, and I knocked on the door, and I could hear stuff going on in the background. Nobody acknowledged me other than Rocky, their dog. <laughs> so eventually, uh, we were supposed to again depart at 8. We got everybody loaded in the car at 822. Uh, there was a little bit of luggage involved. And uh, we literally got about five minutes away from the house. And one of the uh, kids realized it was something that they were missing. So we had to go back. Needless to say, I got to the airport on time. And they got on their flight. But, you know, it's amazing how with... Even with planning sometimes, how our plans can go astray. I want to really commend our worship team this morning. Uh, there were some last-minute snap counts that took place with that. I felt like they did a phenomenal job. Thank you, Jacques, for a great job this morning. He was not supposed to have to shoulder all this himself this morning, but we've got Pat Toomey out of town. Sean Payne is sick, so please be praying for him. Sean had the other half of the uh, songs this morning, but... I did feel like Jacques did an incredible job, as did everybody else this morning. And before I uh, get, any, get any further along in things, you know, there's a, a group that serves us here incredibly well in South Bay that I need to take, I don't want to knock that over again. Uh, that was planned, by the way. I just, <laughs> for whatever it's worth, I'm not destroying church equipment here. Uh, but anyway, um, it's our uh, South Bay photo team. You guys can give it up for them, okay? 
They, they make me and every single one of you look incredibly pretty, beautiful, handsome, whatever you want to say. And they, they've done an incredible job of just kind of documenting our history in the church here throughout the South Bay over the last few years. And there's a few misnomers I do want to clear up. They are not paid staff. They are total volunteers like so many of you volunteer in different areas of responsibility within the church. Uh, when there's a charge for event, all that does is go towards offsetting their supplies. All the equipment that you see is theirs. It's been bought with their hard-earned money. And I, I just felt the need to clarify that because I know there's been some stuff kind of floating around that has me on 100% true. And I just wanted to make you aware of that they are, are worthy of respect. They're worthy of your encouragement. We just need to be really grateful for the incredible role they do play for us here locally in the South Bay Church. Amen? So much for the public, uh, public service announcement. Today, uh, one of the things that we're going to be going after is just this continuing the different things that can take place in life. We had uh, Running Scared last week, Not So Fast today, Seeing Through the Fog, Wrecked, Juggling Act, and Finishing Strong <laughs> is, uh, will be the culmination of the series. Primary passages today are going to come out of Psalm 23 and uh, Matthew 11. But I have a short quiz for you. Uh, you can pull up the notes on your phone or maybe a little pad and paper and pen or pencil or whatever your choice of writing things down is. I've got five real short questions that I'd, I'd like you to answer this morning. And all you need to do is uh, jot down a Y for yes and an N for no. We'll keep it real simple. First question. <laughs> Does your schedule have you stressed out? Do you always seem to be in a hurry, actually? Number one, do you always seem to be in a hurry? And this, is, uh, this can be a great indicator of how you drive. Now, how many of you have waves? How many of you have waves, GPS device, all right, GPS app? How many of you downloaded Arnold? Come on, you guys. We got a couple of geeks in the group. I love it. One of my favorite, favorite ones is, as I'm in a hurry, uh, it kind of freaked me out because I had just downloaded the app. I didn't know what he was going to have to say, but... All of a sudden, he's like, hazard ahead, get down. And I'm like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I love Waze because, you know, it gives you the shortcuts. It's real time. I, it does kind of concern me a little bit that we got people driving. They're updating their, their app as they go along. But uh, anyways, number two, at the end of your day, do you often find that your to-do list isn't done? At the end of your day, do you often find that your to-do list isn't done? Number three. Has everyone, anyone ever told you to slow down? Not so fast. No chuckles on that? <laughs> Number four, do you feel guilty when you relax? <laughs> do you know what relax is or means? That's just a side note. That's not another question. Number five, have you ever found yourself scheduled to be in more than one place at a time? Okay. Now, were you surprised by the number of yeses? So some of you already knew how many yeses there were going to be. Do one more thing. Turn to your spouse or the person sitting next to you and tell them how many yeses you had or how many no's you had and whether or not you were surprised by it. Go ahead and take a moment here. I know this may be a challenge for this group, you know, to actually talk during church, but feel free. Okay, let's uh, try and dial back in. Okay, so again, as you saw, we're uh, titled this morning, It's Not So Fast. Psalm 23, verse 2 reads, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Doesn't it? I agree 100%. You know, we, we do need to think for a moment. When is the last time you really rested? I mean, sat down, no TV, just relaxed. You know, how long has it been since you just took a walk with no agenda other than taking a walk? Not for building up the physical body, just to be refreshed. 
you know, back, back in the day, we used to do these things called, you know, taking a Sunday night drive. Any of you guys remember just going for a drive on Sunday? I, I used to love it as a kid, man. When I was stressed, things weren't going well, I just grab the keys, jump in my car, turn on the radio, and just drive. No destination involved. Just you know, gas was a heck of a lot cheaper back then, but <laughs> that may be why we don't hear a whole lot about people taking drives these days. There's usually a goal involved, right? I love this quote from Dennis Miller. This is when he was uh, doing the whole Monday night football thing. He once wrote, I think the single most frustrating aspect of driving is that you spend your whole life stopping at red lights. Then at the end, there's a very cruel irony. When you die, they let the funeral procession run the red lights on the way to the cemetery. <laughs> you really don't care anymore, but now you're early. <laughs> Here's what I want you to come away with today. Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And this thing that I love about God in so many aspects of my life, and I hope you realize this about your own, God wants to help shoulder your daily life. Again, Psalm 23, verse 2 reads again, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, obviously, not a suggestion. Sometimes we need someone just to say, you know what? Stop. Just stop it. Not so fast. Take a break. Rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, he wants to guide our path. He wants to renew our physical mental and spiritual lives you know and getting back to this whole life thing for a moment if you're living a hectic and crazy life let me say this this is not the kind of lifestyle that god wants for you Amen. it is not the kind of life that god wants for you yeah. you know you need to take a look at his prescription for pressured people and that's what we're going to do this morning as we look to his word we need to remember our time is limited god gives us the ability really focus on those lives and use his wisdom as how best spend our time remember our breathing room series we kind of talked about a few of those concepts things like family dinner family devotional good good talks taking your wife or your husband out on a date wives you can take your husbands out on dates amen we don't discriminate in this church teens uh, there, there's a brother up there that appreciated that amen teens if you're stressed overwhelmed you know homework tests you've got all this stuff it always feels like you got to do more you know feel like you don't even have a choice and then somebody said something over here about you know sometimes us parents we can be a little bit too much up and in their grills with expectations sometimes some of us need to think back about what we went through as kids and, you know some of us didn't get a lot of guidance but some of us did get a lot and we all know how we felt about certain things so just kind of you know, food for thought. I'm not going to dwell on it any longer. There were a few looks out there, but anyway. <laughs> you know, when it comes to being single today, singles, stress in the workplace, relationships with another, one another, relationships with the opposite sex. And it's amazing how all these pressures, all this stress, time, or lack thereof, can have a very negative impact on our lives. One of my favorites is Esau. Remember what he did? I mean, he was hungry and didn't give a whole thought, a lot of thought to a response. And his brother had this, you know, red stew that he put together. For, and Esau wanted some. And what did he do? He gave up his birthright. He gave up his inheritance for a bowl of soup or stew, whatever the heck it was back then. He was in a hurry. You know, I guess that was fast food back then, right? The opposite of this. You know, we look at the story of Joshua. As for me and my household, serving God, serving the Lord. And, you know, here's a guy that walked around in the desert. He was focused. He had a right relationship with God. But because of the group that he was affiliated with, 40 years in the desert before he had the opportunity to go into the promised land. One of two of that generation that made it in. And it was because he was willing to wait on God. He trusted God. He had faith in God. 
Again, Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. You know, we think about the media today, some of the things that we're bombarded with. may not be able to read this real clear, but, you know, it's crazy. Just the information that we're bombarded with on a daily basis. And I was reading some stats on social media today and the Internet and how many hours of every day, multiple hours of every day, we're sidetracked, we're distracted, we're pressured, we're told what to buy, where to go, how to dress. Everything that Satan can use to distract us from what God calls us to and it stresses us out. Feeling like, I've got to get this, I've got to get that, I've got to do this, I've got to be here, I've got to look like this in order to be successful in this world today. We're bombarded. And again, just remembering that our time is limited. Got uh, the top ten regrets on this these next couple of slides here. You know, just thinking through the things that, that people stayed on their deathbed. I mean, it's crazy. You know, things that they would have done differently. You know, I should have spoken my mind more instead of holding back and resenting things, not being resolved in relationships. You know, I worked too much. Never had the kind of time. I wish I would have had more time with my family. I never pursued my dreams or my aspirations. Should have made more time for friends. And the list goes on and on and on and on. You know, one of, one of them happening is, is, is something that I just wish I would have pursued and learned more about earlier on. You know, as we, we end up heading towards our deathbeds. And understanding that, that God knows what we need. God wants to take care of us. And I think really understanding here, I don't know, this is an anonymous quote, but it's something that really stood out to me. It says, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many times have we pursued yeah. things of that nature? Yeah. Created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. That's in Romans 8, verse 19. It says, the created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. You know, Jesus understood that the crowds were harassed and helpless and came to earth to make a difference, to engage on that level for each and every one of us. We're created to want what is next. The issue is we like pursuing it when we think we're sure of the outcome. And that's why life, what we do on a daily basis, can so influence what we, what we go after. I, mean, I appreciate Bob Gibson. A number of weeks back, he shared at one of our singles midweeks. And it talked about, I mean, obviously he was a very driven man when it came to work and the things that he pursued. But realizing that with everything he acquired, and this is a guy with... You know, the RV, the boat, the plane, literally, all this stuff, and realizing that his friends had the opportunity to use it more than he did. Because he was so buried at pursuing and acquiring and realizing there had to be more than that. And understanding that when it comes to what comes next, the goal is heaven. That's what Jesus came and died for, so we have that relationship with God now and forever. But it takes faith, and that's exactly what the Creator had in mind. He understood what faith does. Waiting builds patience. Waiting means you relinquish control. Waiting means trusting someone else. Waiting means you're not relying on your own power to solve your struggles. And waiting, for most of us, is probably the hardest thing we've ever been asked to do. Because before we know it, life is over. You know, we see uh, in the Psalms in particular how... We're constantly compared to sheep. And I've got an overview that I thought I'd share with you this morning that's written by an individual by the name of Betty Dodal. She was the former IBM systems engineer, small business consultant, software company owner, also stock, uh, studied, taught Bible theology, and wrote the book, How to Be a Christian Without Being Annoying. <laughs> Christians annoying? Are we ever annoying? That's a whole other lesson. Anyway, this is a really interesting overview on sheep. Quarry rocks have higher IQs than sheep. In any cavalcade of dumb things, sheep always lead the parade. Animal lovers argue about animal intelligence. Pigs, they say, are really intelligent. Horses, too. Dog lovers discuss the intelligence of various breeds. You know, you know how that works. Whatever the breed is that you have, that's the top dog, right? <laughs> Let's face it. There's dumb, and then there's dumber, and then there's sheep. 
says sheep spend their days munching grass, hour after hour munching grass. Sounds pleasantly pastoral, but this constant munch munching creates problems. Wandering from grass clump to grass clump, sheep chew away without looking up. Focused on only the next green clump, and with severely limited vision to start with, they may not notice the rest of the herd hanging a left just when they've spotted a juicy morsel to the right, and another, and another, and another, and so on. And then they're lost wandering around into days, bleeding, but still grazing. Prompt rescue is necessary because sheep can't digest all their grazing until they lie down. Maybe the reference to, you know, being made to lie down. But sheep don't have enough sense to lie down, even when they're aching. Expanding girth signals impending doom. You have to make them lie down for their own good. Then we have the, their inherent follower nature. Sheep life is one long game of follow the leader. The lead sheep heads over a cliff, no problem. The whole herd follows <laughs> without a bleat. That isn't until it happens in a moment when they start paying attention instead of getting lost following a grass clump trail again. Also, sheep are helpless against predators. If a wolf gets in, the sheep pen, sheep don't fight back. They don't try to get away. They don't spread out. They huddle together as if to give the wolf an easier, more cohesive target. <laughs> and if sheep fall into moving water, they drown. You know, I, I want to let you know I researched all of this to make sure this wasn't just some bogus thing that somebody put together. Sheep, when they have the full hair, th wool thing going on, their weight almost doubles. And needless to say, they got these little spindly legs. There's no webbing in between their hoofs. And they just go straight down. Um, if you're really interested, there's some images on Google that'll, you know, help you on out with that. <laughs> I, I didn't feel like it was fitting to put up on the screen here. But anyway, you will find sheep that do swim, but that's after they've been completely shorn down. And sheep fear moving water. Now, this is, I guess, for sheep's side of intelligence. It says, sheep fear moving water and won't drink from a lake or stream unless the water is still. That's probably more instinct than common sense, but it's something. All in all, sheep are pretty pitiful. So why do we insist on imitating them? Follow the crowd, even in a disaster. Have to be told to do what's good for us. Allow predators to eat us for lunch because we won't fight back. Even sheep have sense enough not to barge into situations that will overwhelm them. So a little bit of an overview on sheep. We'll keep looking at certain aspects of sheep as we move forward this morning. So we know some of the characteristics of sheep. They're social animals. Sheep like to be with other sheep as a rule. They don't hang out alone. Sheep get easily lost. Sheep are apt to get themselves in trouble. You know, how many of you guys hunt? Are there any hunters in the group? When you're going after like a deer, what, what do they tend to do? They go down, they eat, and then what do they do? They pop up and they kind of look around, right? This is the situation with a lot of animals, not so much with sheep. They all begin in trouble. You know, being that they're focused on the grass. There's a story, an illustration of a cliff in Scotland. Sheep would drop down 10 to 12 feet to eat grass on a ledge until after a while they run out of grass and then they realize that they're trapped on a cliff. Sheep need shepherd. For the most part, sheep are not a ultra bright. They need someone to watch out for them. Now, what do you expect taking place when a shepherd comes up on two coyotes that had killed and were eating a lamb. What were the rest of the sheep doing? Standing around watching. They need someone to protect them. You know, think about this. How, how many of you are scared of sheep? I, I'm sure there's a phobia for it. We have anybody in the audience that's scared of sheep? You know, I mean, what are, what are we taught to do when we're kids? What do we count to go to sleep? You know, we're not counting raptors or, you know, T-Rexes or, you know, we're counting sheep, right? No claws, no sharp teeth, no terrible horns, can't climb trees. You know, Brian gave us a skunk story last week. They, they don't squirt stink. No mighty roar, no hard shell, not fast and running away from danger. There's a whole share of issues there. They need a shepherd. You know, it's, uh, again, as we saw, God's people are compared to sheep. The Bible Psalm 78, 52 through 53, it reads, But he made his own people to go forth like sheep, and he guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them out of safety, so that they did not fear. Psalm 79, verse 13. I'm going to have all the notes posted on uh, our website, too, so you'll be able to go back through the scriptures. Psalm 79, 13. So we, your people, and sheep of your pastor, 
We'll give you thanks forever. We will show, show forth your praise to all generations. Psalm 95, 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. And then finally, in John 10, we see Jesus talking about him. It says, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All you ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and in out of the pasture. You know, again, in many ways, we are like sheep. We're social people. By and large, that's how we were created. You know, how many of you like being alone? There may be a few of us. There are those instances from time to time. But you do come up for air, and do we not interact with people? In some instances, we're forced to in the workplace, in school. Not, not, not necessarily something that you can do on this planet very easily. But with sheep, Isaiah 53 kind of helps us see the, the equivalent there. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. We can get into trouble quickly like sheep. You know, we can fail to often see beyond our noses when it comes to some of the situations that we engaged in. We can become so focused on grazing, you know, getting what we think that we need, that we miss out on the really important opportunities that can come our way in life and ultimately get into trouble. You know, and I would imagine this is something that applies to a lot of us here. As we become Christians, we had to go back and get resolved with family members on different situations. But how many have thrown away family and friendships, God, etc., when it comes to what we can focus on or what we think is most important? See, we do need a shepherd. We need someone to watch out for us and protect us and give us strength. In verse 2 of Psalm 23, shepherd leads his sheep. As a rule, sheep have no sense of direction. I think sometimes we can get caught up by all the stuff going around us and not really have a sense of direction of our own. It's what our peers dictate. It's what the media tells us. But we don't always listen to the voice of God when it comes to what he knows is best for us. Sheep also don't do well when they're pushed or forced. You know, if you read through the scripture, when you see a shepherd mentioned with sheep, he's an active participant. He's involved. They know his voice. He talks to them. It's kind of interesting. One of the, one of the things that I read on sheep is that in order to get a, a flock to lay down, a lot of times shepherds will go through the group, they grab them by the scruff of the neck, and they push them down. And they keep working, and eventually some of the others see what's going on, and they do the same thing. But sometimes we need to be just told, not so fast. Slow down. Come up for air. You need a break. And just really even thinking through what that means for us on a daily basis when it comes to our relationship with God. In Exodus 13, verse 21, we see God leading his sheep. Says the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire, so to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before his people. We know today God gives us his spirit, amen? John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. You know, Brian talked about this last week. The need for us to slow down. How often do we actually listen for God? How often do we turn off the phones? How often do we step away from the computer? How often do we, we, we take advantage of what God's created and just go out in the mountains somewhere and just sit down and listen? Or get down by the beautiful coast that's within minutes for most of us and just sit down and turn off and listen for God's voice. John 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So a shepherd provides for his sheep. Are we willing to allow those provisions that God wants to supply us with? Again, it says he caused them to lie down in green pasture. You know, and that's what sheep needed for help. Green pasture. Plenty of food. God gives us that with his word. As we see here, the shepherd makes them sit down. Makes them lie down. We need to make sure that we're helping each other in this area when it comes to that connectivity with God, that we're being fed, that we know where that green pasture is. 
It's not on TV. It's not on the computer. It's not on the smartphone unless you're pulling up your Bible. God's the one that provides through his word when it comes to life and really the kind of life that I think all of us want to live. He provides for our physical needs. You know, again, illustrated by the green pasture. Green here is the word for new grass, full of nutrients. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus lays this on out. I have come that you may have life and have life to the full. Shepherd makes the sheep lie down, which literally means for them to stretch themselves out and relax. Philip Keller, in his book, A Shepherd, he looks at Psalm 23, and he shares how sheep, again, they don't naturally lay down. There's this constant fear from predators. There's this fear of tension within the flock. There's flies. There's parasites. All these different things that go on. And then he goes on to demonstrate how the good shepherd calms their fears, brings unity to the flocks, treats the animals for insects, and leads them to good pastures. You know, think about our lives before we became Christians. Flies, parasites, I mean, were, were there things that made our lives uncomfortable? Were there issues that we had? Were we being dogged by Satan with various sins that we compromised in our lives that we wanted to overcome, things that we wanted to change? And God knows that. Again, that's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus called others to follow him to model what true Christianity looks like. But the bottom line was God sent his son to meet the needs of the sheep, his flock, us. You know, think about it. How much time do we spend today worrying about whether or not our needs will be met? I mean, isn't that why most of us do what we do? In uh, Matthew 6, start out in verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. But that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, we look at this. There's direction that's being given here, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What we have is we have an imperative. And that imperative has conditions. But by listening to the imperative and going after the conditions, we'll receive. God enters into a covenant with us. God enters into a contract with us. And I think we need to do a little bit of self-evaluation this morning. We may need a little bit more help with this. And there's two things that I want you to look at. Your checkbook and your calendar. You tell me what you do with your time and how you spend your money and I'll tell you what you think is important. See, God wants us to have rest. God wants us to have peace in this incredibly anxious world. Psalm 23, the second part of verse 2, he provides that rest and peace for us, helps us to deal with that anxiety. It says, he leads me beside quiet waters. You know, this is interesting with the shepherds again, and that with the sheep, they won't drink out of moving water. It could be the freshest, most incredible water ever, but there's this fear of drowning. So what the shepherds would do is they'd take a staff and they'd loose up some of the bigger rocks at the edge of the water to generate a calm pool for the sheep to engage in so they could drink. And this is exactly what Jesus does. He gives us that window. He gives us that opportunity. He gives us the ability to rest, to regenerate, to deal with stress, to deal with the anxiety that we have in this life. And really understanding that if you're anxious, if you're stressed out, how surrendered to Christ are you? See, we need a shepherd to lead us through the crazy times. We need to be willing to, to actually stop, turn, and look to Jesus 
and realize that he'll lead us to a resting place. He can guide us. He can give us that kind of information, that oasis of peace in the midst of the craziness that we have on a daily basis. You know, Jesus was constantly talking about and demonstrating his ability to meet needs. He leads them besides the still water. I've got uh, just a few things that I want to lead us through quickly here this morning, and it's the word relax. How many of you feel relaxed right now? I notice a few people kind of droopy eyes a little bit. I, I'm glad you're taking the direction. If you've fallen asleep while I'm up here, amen. You're actually applying things this morning. But I just want to walk through these letters real quick with you because I think there's some things here that we need to be able to identify on ourselves in areas that we can really change on up. God's way to find rest and sometimes, you know, it's something we need to practice. How do we rearrange our lives, reprioritize our schedules, and back in sync with God's plan? And I think the key is we need to slow down. And here's the acronym. The R in relax is that I, you, need to recognize your true value before God. I think in, in a lot of ways, the reason most people overwork is because they confuse their work with their worth. We think if we work a whole lot, and achieve a whole lot, we're worth a whole lot. And, and this was definitively me before I became a Christian. Just providing, climbing the corporate ladder. And it was an area that I was very successful with, but I was absolutely oblivious to what was going on under my own roof. I think there were times where, I may not have even been totally oblivious, but I wasn't successful on the home front. I wasn't a good dad. I was emotionally and verbally abusive with my five-year-old son, and it was starting to emerge into that area. There were a couple of instances that would have fallen within the realm of physical abuse. When it came to my marriage, um, we had a partnership. It was more of a business partnership than it was a marriage. Uh, our schedules were very, very different, and I think God even used that to keep us together, and that we didn't see a whole lot of each other. But I, I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a dad but I was great in the workplace. I mean, there were times where I'd just sit in the office and review stuff I didn't even need to do because I knew there was tension that I was going to be faced with at home. I knew there were going to be things that I didn't know how to deal with at home. So there was very, very rarely that opportunity to sit down and realize what I need to realize in my own life until Bruce and Nora Teague showed up on the scene and helped us by starting to study the Bible with us. See, I think a lot of times we confuse what we do with who we are. And in America, guys, this, this is the long and short of it. We get our primor, primary identity from what we do. I will prove my worth by my accomplishment, my achievements, what I've got in the driveway, the driveway that leads up to the house that I've got that's better than the guy next door, all these different things. And James 1, verse 18, says, God decided to give us life through the word of truth so that we might be the most important of all the things he made. And that's uh, the New Century version. But, I mean, this is incredible. God decided to give us life through the word of truth so that we might be the most important of all the things he made. God says you matter more than any of the rest of anything else that he's ever created. That's who you are before God. But I don't think a lot of us recognize that because Satan's constantly there nagging us in our ear. You're terrible. You're never going to amount to anything. You know, this person's better than you. That person's better than you. You don't need anything to say. You're not important. And we buy in. You were made by God. So you're worth it. He, his love isn't based on your performance. It's based on who you are to him. And to him, you're awesome. He created you. You don't have to prove your worth by busyness. God says, not so fast. You're okay. I love you. The E in relax. Enjoy. You know, I, I love Karina Wingy. Uh, Karina, what was, where are you at? Where's Karina? What, what, what was your year of the party? Was that 2013? I mean, it was, it was amazing in that, you know, we all have different stages of life and different challenges we go through. And in 2013, the beginning of the year, she just said, man, 2013 is going to be the year of the party. We're just going to celebrate. We're just going to have a great time. And it was amazing how that mindset really affected her demeanor. I mean, whenever you came by the house, it was a party. Yeah. I mean, it was phenomenal, her perspective on life, and really understanding this is what God calls us to. God wants us to enjoy life. 
Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6 says, It is better to be content with what little you have, otherwise you will always be struggling for more. And that is like chasing the wind. You know, if you're content, how worried are you about the stuff going on around you? And we're really able to focus on the most important things with contentment. You know, is it possible to be so preoccupied in getting more that you don't enjoy what you've got? You know, I shared with you earlier a little bit about Bob Gibson. We can get caught up in this syndrome where we, we buy things we don't even need. With money we don't really have on credit cards that are up to the hilt with debt and interest rates that are out of control to impress people we don't even like. I mean, isn't it true? You know, we spend all our time making payments on the things that we bought, and inevitably the things that are important, our relationships begin to deteriorate. What is one of the biggest challenges in most relationships, most marriages today? Isn't it finances? It's because of a lack of contentment. What we have in our spouse, what we have in our children, we're not content with. I had a guy I worked for years ago who was a manager who was into his 30s, and you know, he kept telling me, yeah, I'm going to wait until you know, I get a little bit further along. You know, I'm a, I'm a general sales manager right now. I'm going to wait until I'm a general manager. You know, he had the Rolex, the Valley shoes, all this stuff, the $1,000 suits. This is back in the 90s. He goes, ah, I just, you know, I, eventually I'll be set and I'll have kids. And I, I remember saying to him, I go, Bob, seriously, dude, I mean, what's enough? He had the fancy cars, had the nice house, had all this stuff. And eventually I ran into him years later up in Concord, California, He's like, you know, Steve, I should have listened to you, man. I've got two kids now, but I'm starting to have health issues. I waited until I was much later into life. And I, you know, I didn't need all this stuff. And it's amazing how distracted we can get by really enjoying what's in front of us or areas of life we need to engage in, but we don't feel like we've got enough to do it. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 8 says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. This is what we can do. God wants us to look to him, not to stuff, not to what everybody else has, but realize that we've got so much through him and Christ if that becomes our focus. The Ellen relax, limit my labor. Limit my labor. Making a conscious decision to make time for other things besides work. You know, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I, I have to decide how many hours I realistically want to spend working each week. And then I need to stick with it. And I, I'm not the greatest with this. I mean, Jack and I take Mondays off. Uh, I'm getting better with it. She helps me with it. But there are a lot of times I, can, I wake up Monday morning and, yeah, it's my day off. And I just get going and it's like... You know, and needless to say, three, four, five weeks into that, you started thinking, man, why am I so burnt out? God understood the significance and the importance of rest and just really making sure that we do take that opportunity to unplug. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 15 says, this, this is interesting, only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. That, that was definitively me from time to time. You know, just chasing the, 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 the brass ring. Rest for your body. If you don't take time to rest, your body will make time to rest itself. And is that, is that we, we really want it self-imposed by our bodies at that point in time. Our best requires rest. And I want you to think about this a minute. Do you feel guilty when you relax? Some of us do. I know I, I can't. I, I can't sit still for more than two minutes most times, but the thing that helps me with this is Jesus didn't struggle with feeling guilty about relaxing. He took time off. And we, we've got to ask ourselves, are we busier than Jesus? Is what you're doing more important than what Jesus did? See, Jesus understood the need for time alone with God every day. Do we understand that need? See, if you're, if you're too busy for God... You've heard it said. The bottom line is you're way too busy. And I, I want to just put this out there. First of every month, sit down with your calendar and schedule these times as appointments. 
that, 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 that works for me. One of the best ways for me to make sure I take time off is I block out that day on my calendar. I just put it in there. I have an alert. Tomorrow, rest. You know, I mean, it may sound kind of stupid, but it works for me. I, I need that reminder. And I think there's others of us in this group that are the same way. The A in relax, adjust. Adjust my values. Not so fast. In order to reduce the busyness of my life, in order to reduce the busyness in your life, we need to change our thinking about what is important. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 4 says, Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. Isn't that our society? I mean, it's crazy. That wasn't the case with what uh, Henry Ford developed years ago. The Model T in one color black, that's what we'd all still be driving today. But it got it, this, this one-upmanship, this being better, this, this, this again, I observed the most, that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors, but this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. We have to say, you know what? I'm not going to get caught up in this. I'm not going to get caught up in the rat, rat race anymore. But it's not something that's going to take place unless you really change your thinking about what really is valuable. Mark 8, verse 36 says, How do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Think about it this morning, think about it today, and ask yourself what you need to change, but what is of great worth to me? What's your top five? Spend some time praying about it, get into the scriptures, maybe ask somebody that you're close to what they think about that top five list. You know, as an evangelist, I've had the opportunity to be bedside at a couple of deathbeds where there were regrets. You know, I remember one individual in particular saying to me, and this was with his final breath, I wish I had hurried more, right? No, that, that wasn't what was said. He said, I wish I had spent more time with my family, not more time at the office. I wish I had spent more time with my kids or my wife or my husband, building relationships with God. And there was regret. There were tears because they knew that that time was gone. That time wasn't something they could go back and recreate. They couldn't, they couldn't undo the damage that was done in some of those relationships because of their focus. And they were sorrowful. I don't know about you, that's not how I want to feel on my deathbed. I, I don't want to be sitting there with regrets, the shoulda, woulda, couldas, but we don't understand that our life, we, we are mortal, there's a mortality, there's a day, it's already penciled in as to when we're gonna go. The only thing we have control over right now is today and making sure that we engage on the level that we need to when it comes to God and our friends and family. The final one, this one's a little bit of a stretch and I apologize. You know, I, I went to the dictionary, there's not a whole lot that starts with X. <laughs> Few musical instruments, um, xenomorph, uh, you know. So we're, we're just gonna have to go with this, the X. Um, you can exchange that. You can do whatever you want with it, but uh, I'm just going to say exchange my stress for God's peace, okay? I was really bummed because I thought I was going to find something. <laughs> I didn't spend any time in the Greek. Maybe there's something there, but whatever. This gets at the root of stress, your stress. You know, there are three kinds of fatigue. There's physical fatigue, tired muscles, and generally speaking, that, that can be replenished relatively easy, you know. Uh, you, you rehydrate, you maybe take a break from working, off, working out, get some rest. Tired muscles are something relatively easy to work with. It can be replenished pretty quick. If you're emotionally or spiritually tired, then you need more than a different place. You need a different lifestyle. You need a relationship with God. Sheep don't like to rest. They don't like to lie down. Psalm 23, again, verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down. And I think that speaks of a need that all of us have, and that's that need for relationship with Christ, or we'll end up empty. Psalm 23, verse 2, He makes me lie down. Why not let the Lord set the pace for your life? He'll help you so you don't go too fast or go too slow. And he's the only person wise enough to do that. Jesus Christ. 
He would love to trade his peace for your pressure. See, when you live for God, it's not only the right way, it's the healthy way, the whole way, the balanced way, and the most relaxing way to go after life. We'll close in Matthew 11, verse 28. Please turn there and read it with me. Matthew 11, verse 28. says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And basically what he's saying here, if you learn from me, you'll find that the load I give you to carry is light. You'll find deep, satisfying rest. I don't know, that a rest for your soul, I mean, it doesn't get any deeper than that. A rest for your soul. Are you stressed out? Are you tired? Are you weary? Jesus says, come to me. I'm not going to load any more on you, but I'll give you true meaning, and you'll recover your life. Because I will make you lie down in green pastures, and I will lead you beside quiet, still waters. Isn't that time we let him do that for each and every one of us? Isn't that time you allow him to do that for you? You know, while most of the world is spiritually starving and spiritually thirsty, you'll be satisfied, safe, and strengthened for the rest of your days on earth. Let's give that burden over to Christ and take on the peace that he so wants to give us by having a right relationship with him. God bless. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.